Welcome, friends, to Church of the Geek, a podcast where we examine the intersection of the comic and the divine, where the Council of Nicaea is not the only source we pull from when we seek to explain the Trinity, and our black leather cassocks are pretty rocking. I'm Brian Bennett, Lutheran campus pastor of Psalm at Pitt, Carnegie Mellon, Chatham, and Carlo Universities, and with me is my regular co-host, everyone's favorite blue pill, red pill dispensing hospice chaplain, Sam Blair. Sam, how are you doing? <laughs> I'm not sure which pill to take. Um, well, it doesn't matter. It's not a choice. I There's no true. choice. Well, and actually in, in hospice, we don't do pills that much. We do, you know, we do, you know, liquids or creams or, you know. Drops under the tongue. Drops yeah. under the tongue. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, I bet you're not dispensing any of that. I am not. I think you'd get in a lot of trouble Thanks, if you were dispensing I would that. get in quite a lot of trouble. <laughs> I'm happy if I can get, get communion out to people. That that so, is a worthy thing to be dispensing. Yeah, but other than that, you should not be dispensing anything else. <laughs> it's, it's speaking of which, like um, there was a, a thing going I saw on Twitter today that was uh, asking like how much of a uh, communion purist are you, and in in regards to you know can you cons- can you consecrate. Mountain Dew and Pepsi or Mountain Dew and pizza. Can you, you know, or can you consecrate, consecrate grape juice and saltines? You know, what do you consider that? And I'm like, I have literally and factually just gone to the gas station and grabbed whatever I could in some cases. <laughs> it's like, I'm on, so I'm on my way somewhere. I'm like, I just, I got nothing at home. I, I'm stopping at sheets and, getting a bagel and some cranberry juice. And that's what I got. <laughs> oh, Sam. I know. Oh, oh, Sam. Oh, well, it, it beats those little individual serving communion things still any day. One of my pastors once was going to a nursing home to do communion for folks. And he uh, was running a little behind and he ran into the supermarket, grabbed a loaf of bread, ran back out. And he uh, was distributing the communion. And a, a part of me even swears it was to a bunch of nuns. Maybe not. Maybe that's just where my brain is because he's Lutheran. I mean, the nuns, well, the nuns would probably take it from him. Yeah. But <laughs> He said, as he handed it to these folk, they had weird faces. They were making really like strange, like kind of faces. Afterwards, he looked, he had run in. He was in such a hurry. He grabbed the jalapeno cheese bread. (laughs) He said the Lord Jesus Christ got served up hot and spicy that day. So it's the flame and Holy Spirit. Yeah. Tongues of tongues of tongues of fire and other forms. Indeed. Well, hey Sam, this is our uh, this is our uh, first episode of 2022. Mm-hmm. We got a new year and uh, 2022, the year of the thing. I don't know. I don't Hopefully know. Hopefully, what... not the repeat of 2021. I think we're all yeah, we're all done with that. Did you have a good Christmas? I had I had a good Christmas. I did. We spent lots of time with family and had had a real good trip out to visit family in Kansas City and back. And yeah, all in all, it was as good as as it could have been. How about you? We had a good one. It was very nice. We only went to Kentucky. We didn't go to Kansas City. Mm -hmm. Had a nice trip out there. Had some some nice time with family. Had a good Christmas dinner. Got some cool gifts. Mm -hmm. Very nice. And my wife and I got to go on a date. Ooh. Yeah. And we went to go see Matrix Resurrections. 
Now, so did you go to the theater or did you? We did go to the theater. Okay. I could have sat at home, watched it on the TV, but it's the Matrix. Mm -hmm. Had to go, had to go in the theater and catch it there. I'm thinking, because I saw it on television. Yeah. I may have had a, a better experience in the theater. I'll tell you why. It's not for the reason that you expect. The TV we were watching this on was a very large, probably like 72 inch TV. And I think it was one of those ones that had like HDR or something like that. Mm. The characters looked almost like hyper real to the point where it was distracting to me. Things didn't seem like you were, it didn't look like you were watching a movie. It looked like you were watching a soap opera almost just the way it was filmed, yeah. how it looked. And so it was kind of jarring and a little bit much at times. And the unintended result was that some of the computer effects looked that much worse because it was this up against like a very hyper real, extremely detailed, and it almost made the CGI look flat in some cases. That's what we're going to talk about tonight, though. We're going to talk yeah. about the Matrix Resurrections. Mm-hmm. Well, let me just say this. The Matrix has a really special place in my heart because my first year of seminary, I took uh, my second semester, I took a course called Film and Theology. Mm. And I believe that The Matrix was the first, yeah, it was the first movie that we watched. That's kind of the reason that I am doing this now. Mm. It was that class got me off on this pop culture movie theology kick. Mm hmm. I mean, that wasn't the only movie we watched. There was a lot of other good ones, but it was the first one that really deeply connected with my uh, geeky side. And mm -hmm. uh, loved it. Yeah, I, I remember when The Matrix came out. I mean, there was a whole cottage industry that came up in Christianity, you know, books and videos and so on, talking about themes of you know theological themes in, in the matrix not only among the characters but different concepts the philosophy behind it all that there was right. a lot a lot of stuff i remember i had a book something on christ in the matrix you know talking about different themes and different even just little easter eggs like the name of the ship and the yep. different things on the ship and how those were important and significant yeah and it wasn't accidental Oh, no, not at all. The the Wachowskis did this on purpose. Even so much, right? The later movies had Cornell West in it. I believe it was put out Good Friday in 99. It was it was oh, put really? out right That'd around an Easter. Question. And it was interesting then that this one came out Christmas time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but I think the original Matrix came out in Holy Week. So hmm. that's what I've heard. I might be wrong, which by the way, let me, let me go on record. We had some feedback from listeners. Nobody from Hong Kong yet. So if you're still out there, <laughs> send us a message. We'd love to hear from you. Our ears are open. Collars, lines are open. <laughs> <laughs> I was wrong. So mark it down. The last episode, I was wrong. Oh, what were you wrong about? Mike sent me a message. Or Mike, our, our DM, he listened to the no. thing once he saw the movie. And he said that the mask of the phantasm did actually appear in theaters. You said it was. I said, no, 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 no. He wrote, he sent me a message after listening. He goes, I think you're wrong. Because he watched it with his two ex-brother-in-laws in the theater. He has vivid memories of that. So there it is. Well, you're that's your that's your one for the year. But that was that was and it was, was last, last year. year. So you're fine. So yeah, I'm still good for this year. Your slate's clean for this year. I still got to hold that one mistake in for the year. Yeah. So yeah, we are going to talk about Matrix uh, Resurrections tonight. First off, I think we kind of were going off 
on on tangents and ideas and tossing things back and forth you know beforehand but you like this movie a lot more than i did you know what this has been really interesting it has been really interesting because i i thought it would flip we've gone back and forth uh i liked eternals you didn't you liked spider-man no way home more than i did i liked matrix resurrections you didn't which by the way we are going to talk spoilers yeah, uh, yeah, yeah folks if you're listening standard disclaimer if you haven't watched it and you care about spoilers pause now go watch it come back we'll be here where you, where you pause so we'll wait for you go ahead go now Okay. Yeah, I did like it. I liked it a lot. I did, maybe it's because I went in expecting not to like it. Mm, I mm-hmm. went in expecting it to be a complete muddying of the whole universe, cooking things up that didn't exist, and you know, just sort of hand wavy stuff. <laughs> but I really liked it. I really, really liked it. I missed some of the effects. Yeah, those cool jumps and suspended stuff. That's not there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought it was really clear and good uh, up until about the uh, about the third act. The story got a little muddy, mm-hmm. but I still liked it. I was I was very pleased. I think you hit on something. I think I was expecting a lot more out of this. I didn't want to say anything, but it like in my own head, I was like, "What are they going to pull off this time?" Because the Matrix especially the first movie, but even the the two subsequent ones were revolutionary in their own ways. Yes. You know, there were times that, you know, I think everyone remembers the first time they saw bullet time on, on the matrix in the big, on the big screen and everyone's jaws just dropped as Trinity jumps up in the air and the camera spins around and she kicks, kicks the guy through the, through a wall and you're like, how in the world did they do that? Yeah. Just, it looked so cool. It sounded so cool. And then in the other movies with the big burly brawl and how did they do that? And I think, you know, there were always bits and pieces where you were kind of like, how did they do all this stuff? Mm-hmm. And I didn't, I was expecting to see, okay, what's going to be the cool thing that they do? And there wasn't like that cool thing. There were some cool things. There were some cool things. Bugs jumping over the car, that kind of thing. But yeah, it wasn't the same. And even some of the effects kind of felt like like the, the dodging effects felt almost like a step backwards from what they had done before. Yeah, they didn't go real fancy. No. It was good fight choreography, but it wasn't like the, uh, you know, they're hanging on wires suspended while the cameras zip around them and uh, capture them in all those angles. And that was missing. It was a little disappointing, but. Yeah, I thought afterwards, comparing this to Dune, you know, there were things in Dune that was like, whoa, that is really cool. Like the ornithopters and how the. The, the wings really looked like dragonfly wings and operated like dragonfly wings and things with the shields and so on. So they're like, oh, that's cool. But there wasn't like a, a single thing that kind of jumped out of the, of the screen at you this time around. No, there was nothing, nothing like that made your eyes pop. And I'll even say this, you know, in the first three, Neo was real, you know, you go into the Matrix, he was always slick, black, shiny leather. Here, he was much more subdued. His hair wasn't as neatly <laughs> coiffed. It wasn't gel. It was mm-hmm. all kind of scraggly. It was, it was more John Wick than Neo. Definitely some choices were made. And I, and I wonder how much of that was because only one of the Wachowskis was involved, not both. Mm-hmm. And I'll also say, I'll go, I'm going to go on record that even though Reloaded and Revolutions aren't as good, I still like them a lot. Mm-hmm. Some people give them a lot. Of crap but they're not that bad they're not that bad the only reason is in comparison to the first things yeah. were muddier they had a whole lot of things going on and got things got muddy i think watching those two right on the tail of the matrix when that first came out it was easy to feel disappointed but then in retrospect having some time under your belt and like i watched all three of them again yeah they hold up better than i than i thought they did i think it gets 
wonky at times. And we sat down with the family uh, the night before Mary Lynn and I were going to go see the movie and we watched it and the kids liked it. Although my, uh, my oldest is now a computer science student at, at uh, RIT and it was like, that's not how AI works or, or that's not how uh, virtual. <laughs> and I'm just like, okay, like, okay. But in 99, it was really awesome. Okay. Yeah. In 99, 20, 20 some years ago. Okay. Yeah. But uh, otherwise it was good stuff. I liked it. Mm-hmm. I liked it more than you did. That's, that's just right. where we are. It, it made me kind of pause and reflect on how different the world is now than it was a good point in in terms of being able to simulate reality because i think that was something back then that was still kind of a you know pushing thing it's still in the realm of imagination more than reality now you can pay 60 bucks and get microsoft flight simulator and fly a jumbo jet in real yeah. time from pit to anywhere in the globe with real-time traffic and weather it is literally like you are flying (laughs) you are flying a plane from point a to point b and the world is reacting around you and you know we have uh vr that you can go buy a system at best buy that you can immerse yourself in a virtual world and things like that that it's just so much more common now so we have those kind of virtual worlds and we have other kind of virtual worlds which are like the worlds we create for ourselves regarding our news feeds, our Twitter feeds, our Facebook posts and things like that. The things that we've built up around ourselves that shape our view of the world for better or for worse. Yeah, I was just thinking about what is that called? The law of the the speed of computer processors doubles every so, law, number right that's right they double yeah, every two years so we're 20 years after the matrix and what we can mm-hmm. only think about in 99 so 20 years doubling every two years that's been two to the 10th in processing if you think about the computer you had in 1999 and what were you still, was that still running a 486 at that point it may have been a pentium matt it was probably a pentium it was probably a pentium but it was it was just a pentium probably it wasn't like you know it was probably under a gig i mean if you're running a gigahertz processor with we didn't have it was there weren't multiple cores no it was it was to be a single core with probably if you if you had four gigs of ram that was a lot yeah and i was just you know thinking i mean were there smartphones back then no 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 the iphone i think the iphone came out later and that was something too they're popping out these little uh flip phones cool little you know f- yeah. switchblade phones wherever they are maybe that was something it was 10 years yeah it was 2008 oh my gosh i did the iphone was... doesn't get released until 2008 so the phones in the matrix i mean they were slick phones they weren't smartphones it was it would be another almost 10 years it's kind of hard to believe that the iphone is only two only 2008 is only 13 years old that is something that's yeah that's kind of more amazing <laughs> the the speed that we've gone to through smartphones mm-hmm. so and, and so one thing i i had thought about was maybe on my end part of my dissatisfaction and dissatisfaction of others with this film was because it didn't feel as revolutionary as it was because it almost feels old compared to where we've been technologically yeah i i get it because now we're up in something that's more advanced within the matrix but it's it mm-hmm. doesn't feel as as cutting edge mm-hmm. and i wonder if that's just also one of those things when we are familiar with something it feels just whatever well i think this is something that i didn't catch until i think it was an article that um james mcgrath put out that i just read today his kind of perspective on the on the matrix yeah uh, that was a good one 
Yeah, that was good. And kind of talking about in in the film how they pointed out how much noise there is just from war and from the the constant war that the uh, that the humans have had against the machines. You don't notice that noise until it's gone. He kind of drew a parallel to you know our own society where there is just so much noise from everything that it does dull you down to everything that is you know really around you it can feel you know the world that we're in now can feel pretty overwhelming pretty quick and i think a lot of people do feel overwhelmed pretty quickly in it there's a lot of feeling of overwhelming now it's not at war but we've got the pandemic going on exactly it's got us completely fried entering our third year of pandemic Mm -hmm. i'll say this about that i have so many colleagues who are leaving ministry because Mm -hmm. the past two years have just been so draining. Maybe they'll go back. Maybe they won't. Mm -hmm. It's not usual for us in in the Lutheran circles to leave a call before you have another one. Mm. Usually you have something lined up that you're moving to. So many people I've seen are like, no, we're taking time off. We're not doing this anymore. I've I've heard that from not, you know, not from people that I know personally. But I've I've heard that is just kind of out out there that a lot of people are a lot of churches and ministers are taking a step back. They're just tired. I, I think that notion of noise is very is is very real in mm-hmm. that in that scenario. Mm-hmm. Well, Doctor McGrath is pretty smart, so yeah, very thoughtful. And and part of that the the problem with the noise not only is it is is just the presence of all the the noise and the static being there but you know something that comes out in the films here and in the, the whole series is just the notion of what's real and what isn't real 20 years ago it was a whole lot easier to ascertain and talk about what was real with people and now it seems almost impossible at times fake news we've got competing sources of narrative Mm-hmm. Not just not just fake news, but you know, competing narratives. Issues around still around nine eleven. You know, we mm-hmm. still have folks who are out there. You've got QAnon. We, so many sources of what is real, what isn't. How do you know? And it, there are some folks who, no matter what you lift up and trying to to open their eyes and reveal, like this, you you're living in a, <laughs> your own little matrix. It doesn't. Mm-hmm. It doesn't do any good in the in the church. How does the how does the church respond to that? I think it's been in the been a real struggle, and I think it's been written a lot about recently. Is how does the church respond to the unmooring of culture to a specific shared notion of what's true and what's real? Well, I think there's two ways that we that we have a, a real challenge. Sometimes there are those within the church, and I'm saying it's mostly within the church who want to hold to some sort of notion of of a narrative that is not in any way uh, indicative of the actual reality that we are all facing. Mm-hmm. So we have that side. But I also think there are times when we as Christians hold on to a vision of a particular end of humanity, living together with the Trinity and in the kingdom. Mm-hmm. That's a problem. Well, the world doesn't believe that. You know, there are, there are those within the world that don't believe that because we're part of the world. Of course, there are those within who do, right. but that there are those within the church who hold up something that isn't true, doesn't match reality. And there are those from outside of the church who believe that we are looking at things that aren't real. Mm-hmm. Heaven's not real. Yeah, say some more about that because I think that's an interesting way to, way to look at this and, t- and talk about that more. 
<laughs> it's easy in some ways it's easier for me being within Christianity to say, well, I am not a young earth creationist. I'm, so for me, in some ways, it's easier for me to pick apart the intra-Christian conversation. But I also think I've also lived in sort of circles as a sort of in physics circles and scientific circles. I, I do have to realize at times, yeah, this is odd because I say I belong to a religion where a guy rose from the dead. I get it. From the outside, it seems right. ludicrous. And by the the standards of most of what we would consider to be... <laughs> real and verifiable in, in the world, that would be crazy. Exactly. I don't know if I've told this story or not. I don't like to talk about it a lot because it gets awfully close to a religious experience and Lutherans find those rather rather suspect. You know, I went to college and I thought, okay, I'm a physics major. I'm going to not believe anything that can't be proven, right? And then I found myself praying every night, not like rote prayers, but just I noticed this internal dialogue in my brain, like I was talking to someone and I realized, mm -hmm. oh, you ding dong, that's, you're praying. <laughs> <laughs> and I had one night where I can only believe that it was something akin to a presence that was with me. Mm -hmm. It's not scientifically, it's not verifiable, it's not repeatable. It it does not fit those laws mm -hmm. that, you know, or the, or the scientific method, but I know it. Look, I get it. It's one anecdote, one data point, but for me, that was real. And I understand mm -hmm. that, you know, I have a lot of atheist friends and I get it. If you don't have that thing, it's a challenge. I think a lot about, you know, in the Gospel of John, we get a great deal of conversation about faith and sight. Mm -hmm. and, and other Gospels as well, but it's it's definitely, uh, it's a little more there mm -hmm. within, uh, within John. Well, and John is the most revelatory of the Gospels, I think, in, in that respect. Oh, it's, that's exactly right. It's, it's all about revealing. Mm -hmm. It's all about opening our eyes or, you know, the Gentiles come and say, you know, we wish to see Jesus. Mm -hmm. Oh, come higher friends. So there is a sense that the, the, the real is not something that's always immediately revealed. And I felt that was the case when you had Neo and Trinity sitting up across from each other and they're the image of their self mm -hmm. matched what we saw in the Matrix, mm -hmm. albeit a little older. Uh, <laughs> mm -hmm. Now, the people around them didn't see that. And we caught glimpses of that mm -hmm. uh, in, in how it took us a while. Like in the mirror, Neo didn't look like Neo. He looked like a balding man, you know, yeah. old, older guy. Trinity looked like, was it sort of a blonde woman? It was like a blonde, yeah, yeah blonde woman. She sees that the character that he creates in those video games is her but his his her husband doesn't think that's the case because they that's not how he sees her mm -hmm. because that digital self-image has been altered mm -hmm. i get it what the world sees in us at times is not how we see it mm -hmm. and that's okay i think it'll all come out in the wash and it'll be okay but i think there's something for us to be able to sort of abide with but i also think the power of sin does this as well it distorts our image Mm -hmm. tells us that's not real. Mm -hmm. We get wrapped up in things that you should be pursuing fame or money or material goods or all these sort of things. And I think mm -hmm. the continuing message here is love in this movie. Right. Love, love becomes this organizing principle around which our true self, our true relationships, uh, the truth in general. And that notion of, of love and in relationship really com comes out there much more in this film in that it's it's primarily it feels a lot more like a romance at times for a good a good chunk of it with with Neo and Trinity trying to like they're they're star-crossed lovers trying to 
to figure out who, mm-hmm. you know, who the mm-hmm. other person is that, you know, they've, they've seen for so long. I thought that was a really interesting take. I think also the, the notion of who your true self is, you know, that you, that you picked up was something I was really thinking about too. And that the, the images that they see as themselves are only how they're seen by Neo sees Trinity as, as Trinity only because mm-hmm. he knows her as that way. No mm-hmm. one else sees her that way. And wh- when you see, you know, in her reflection is how the rest of the world sees her. And the same with Neo. And it's his reflection in the mirror. That's This is how the rest of the world sees you. But this is not how you see you. There's that, you know, that real sense of who, you know, who is your identity, who defines your ad- identity. That was something I'm, you had kind of picked out a little bit too, that identity is a, is a real crucial subject in this, in this film, especially with the, the Wachowskis and their own transition and understanding of identity and self. Yeah, which actually I did not know until after the movie that this Lana Wachowski was one of the original siblings. They have, they become trans. And so mm-hmm. There's a lot of trans thinking in this movie. And so it was really interesting. Who are you in relation to how you understand yourself and how the world sees you? Definitely fits within this understanding. But I think it I think it's broader than that. I think anytime we start talking about identity, just as you were talking, it made me think about the ways we are seen, the ways we want to be seen. Mm-hmm. Folks who are out on Instagram, who are, are putting out all of these uh, social media. Right. Yeah. So- uh, there's a curated question. self. Yes, the, that's it. That's it. That's that's exactly right. The curated self. Yeah. We only show we show the image that we want people to see, but that's no way close to what our real identity and image are. Mm-hmm. I think that's equally troubling when we just want to put out like the good stuff, the happy stuff, the the fancy trips, and all that sort of stuff, and not see the day to day stuff mm-hmm. of what's going on around us and how challenging some of this is and i'd love to see it when folks go like you know they put a picture up and they're like just in case you think everything's hunky-dory i just want to say today was a complete and utter mess and this Mm -hmm. is why a sense of authenticity i think is really important yeah and i think not only with with each other but there's that sense of if we can't be comfortable with ourselves if we can't accept ourselves as we are and see ourselves as we really are and it's it's interesting, you know, some some folks can't bear to look at the bad at themselves. Some folks can't don't want to see the good in themselves. And so being able to to see each other's fairly and accurately is real is real important. And I think that's something it's something that comes around a lot, I think, in in Christianity is trying to really put out the notion of being your authentic self with Christ and recognizing your real gifts, recognizing your real person in in Christ, and that that person is worthy of salvation. You're right. But I want to go yeah. further. Oh, sure. Because it is important for us to know who we are, the good, the bad, the, the in-between. Because I always go back to uh, Martin Luther had a quote that was, the theologian of the cross calls a thing what it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, theologian of glory calls a thing what it is not. It's really important for us to have the ability to reflect upon who we really are. And I think that's one of a place where every Sunday, most of our Lutheran services, we start with the brief order of confession and forgiveness. Mm-hmm. Because you can't repent. You, you can't confess if you don't want to acknowledge the the rough 
the the twisted, the the deformed. Mm-hmm. And that is not to say that that is our whole nature. One of our former hymnals had a uh, had a phrase in our in our confession that we are by nature sinful and unclean. And I'm not saying that at all. Mm-hmm. But to understand that we are imperfect, you know, and that's and that's really important. The other thing is that we want to make sure that we are engaging in stuff that does bring our true identity out. And and this is where I wanted to go a little further. We are worthy of salvation, and that is that's another side. But we are constantly being formed into the image of Christ. Mm-hmm. We're not going to become Christ, but we want to live our lives in such a way that we people see Christ in us. And that only happens when we are continually formed. We're not just we're not just pretending, but it it's becoming part of our existence. Our this is part of our justification and sanctification that that yeah, lead yeah, to yeah. this. Our true identity is rooted in literally rooted in Christ and Christ's image, that mm-hmm. icon, the Greek word for icon. That's really important for us. Well, and that's I wanted to to jump back to and, and clarify, yeah. lest I be uh, condemned for for heresy that you know we are we are are deemed you know worthy of salvation not by our own image but by the of the image that Christ sees in us yes you're putting it that way yeah it's it's not like oh I'm worthy of salvation it's obviously it's it's the it's the notion that God declares us worthy there's that imputation that there for yes. us yeah but it's also I think in the same way I actually preached my grandfather's funeral my my dad's father. I mean, it was a hard sermon to preach. Anyway, I also preached my grandmother's funeral too. But the the challenge for me, it wasn't hard. I mean, yes, I was emotional and that was, that was one thing, but mm-hmm. I had to wrestle. I, I didn't have a, I didn't have a bad relationship with, but I didn't have a, I didn't have a relationship like I had with my other grandparents. I had to really wrestle that long night before that, as I sat in my parents' basement thinking through this, I really had to wrestle with, what does this mean? What is my relationship with him? How does this how does this go? And so ultimately I realized much of the of the sermon pointed to the fact that God doesn't just see us as we are, but God sees the potential and and who we might be. God sees mm-hmm. our true self. Mm-hmm. And in a sense, this whole endeavor, all of that love is meant to help us become that true self. Right. And, we, and then we're back to love. Like mm-hmm. that's, that's the important, that's the greatest, lo- in a sense, the greatest love is to God gives up of God's self so that we may become our true self. Right. Rooted in Christ because that's, that's our true identity. Interesting. And, th- and you kind of pointed out too, uh, beforehand and this kind of, I think leads into this, we're about the dance of the father, son, and, and the Holy spirit as relationship of loving and being loved, you know, in, in constant yes. communion with, with one another. And we see that being revealed more now going back to the film in the relationship between Neo and, and Trinity, where Neo in the first three films was much more of a rescuer. And there was kind of a, the, well, you know, he was there, a savior. Yeah, he was he was a savior, saved her life several times, but then she he was who he was because she believed in him mm-hmm. in, in many respects. In this film, there's much more of a sense of them almost being more equals. He is his power set is greatly diminished. Hers is elevated and the uh analyst you know talks about anytime you get the two of them together it tends to you know things tend to blow up and right. and things fail if there's a if you keep them too far apart they don't have the kind of energy and dynamic that they have but when you get them there's that giving and taking within within that relationship 
even when they're not aware of it, you know, just they're being in proximity of, of, of one another, which I had questions about that, but I'm just going to roll it with it anyway. Yes. Yeah. That's one of those ones where you're just like, okay, uh-huh, 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 uh-huh. Yeah, we'll, yeah okay. sure. We'll let go, go for that. Sure. I don't know what, it, I think I made the comment. It was in the, in the first trilogy, it was all about the one, Neo mm-hmm. being the one, the Neo Anderson, the new son of man. Yeah. Literally, literally what his, that Neo Anderson means. This was much more about the two. And there was mm-hmm. that, there was a scene and I can't remember what it was about, but it was about the way that we are, we exist in relationship. There's the, they, I think they mentioned sort of the way we have the binary and there was, so that was, mm. you know, we had Neo and agent because it wasn't just, it wasn't, it was Neo and Trinity. Absolutely. But there was Neo and agent Smith, There's mm-hmm. Neo and Morpheus. Right, uh, Neo and the Oracle, and pretty soon what we see is the one is the one only because of the community, mm-hmm. right? Only because of the people gathered. Neo and Trinity's relationship is important. Neo doesn't do anything if if that crew doesn't come and get him. Right. The way that we are much more interconnected, uh, I found was a really helpful epilogue to just about the one because we were recording this sort of a week early, but that means it's on Monday night. It's Monday Night Football. Tonight is likely Ben Roethlisberger's final home game as mm-hmm. a, as the Pittsburgh Steelers quarterback, who was he has existed in this role for a long time, eighteen years, crazy. <laughs> he, he is he is why we have this. Not him alone, but I mean, he is an example. He is the he is a, a reality of why we have that. We have so many of stories of the one. You get the one person. You get the one quarterback to lead your team. You get you know the one. We had Andrew McCutcheon. We had the one player that we build a team around. Michael Jordan, Mario Lemieux, Wayne Gretzky. Mm-hmm. It's like you get the one, and so much of it is wrapped up in sports because that happens there mm-hmm. so much easily. But it could also it could just be in lots of other places. You get the one pastor, Steve Jobs. You know, Steve Jobs. Yeah, right. You get the one <laughs> pastor who come in and turn your church around. We exist talking about revealing our true selves. We exist in a world that so badly wants to have one figure, one Messiah, one person that saves us. Mm-hmm. And I and I I found it really refreshing that here it was. It's not a one. Mm-hmm. It's not a one. It's a we. And it was it was this group, yeah. Neo falters in the flying bit. Mm-hmm. Trinity pulls him along. Mm-hmm. So I I found that some of the best. In some ways, I even felt that scene was clunky. Yeah, but the meaning was really helpful. Yeah, I thought it was. I thought it was interesting in that he's, you know, the first ones are all about the one and the one fixing everything, and this is not about the one fixing everything. He's. The, I don't even think he's referred to as the one in it. They talk. They do talk about it. They do talk about it that he was the one because whenever he met Niobe when he when he came across Niobe, which I love oh, that yeah. Jada Pinkett Smith <clears throat> was great. Yeah, uh, I really enjoyed that. But she and Morpheus then became a thing after Zion survived. And but uh, then yeah, she she talks about he's like I didn't think you were the one. Yeah, Morpheus thought you were. I didn't think you were. But he says, mm-hmm. but you trusted me enough to give me your ship. So for me, and I think even in. Um, was it Dr. McGrath's essay that talked about Lana Wachowski's uh, dedication to her parents, mm-hmm. right? There, even it was it was about the the genesis of of love and mm-hmm. love being the genesis of all things. That was I think. it. Thank you, thank yeah. you, thank you. Love being the genesis of all things. That's an acknowledgement, right? She's not there without their love and support. And mm-hmm. we live in this this hyper individualism crap that mm-hmm. we're that we are with is just it's crazy. 
and mm-hmm. it's got to be better. We got to do better. Yeah. We got to do better. Hey, Sam, hmm. I think we, I think this is a time for us to pause. That's because, a good time for us to pause. Uh, if there's another, if there's another matrix, we'll come back to this. <laughs> this was, uh, this was a good, this was a good episode. This is a good episode. This, uh, I, 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 I know we've been kind of off kilter here and there. I think that helps though. So, I do. I think it's right. It's not always, it's not always it's, the best. It's not just us fanboying th- over everything. <laughs> All right, my friend, what have you been geeking out about? Well, I tell you what, during our Christmas travels, I downloaded some, uh, journal articles I was going to read. I'm like, okay, I'm going to read some journal articles for a, a presentation I'm thinking about doing, but, uh, let's see. I read primordial and, mm-hmm. It, mm-hmm. They mentioned uh, Gideon Falls and the same artistic uh, creative team. And I'm like, I should maybe pick that up. Well, I read the entire series. I just could not. <laughs> wow. I That that was my thing. I I read the entire thing. It, w- it was on, on Hoopla. And I, I picked it up because I couldn't find. It's, it's, it's a couple of years out now. But I read that thing from stem to stern and it is so good it didn't quite stick the landing i think it, w- it was hard to do i think they kind of want i think they needed to wrap it up maybe i don't really know but oh my gosh is it a good a good series artistically story-wise yeah it was it definitely awesome yeah so that was <laughs> that was what i was geeking out about as i was reading comic in the, the same series I was, it was like several hundred pages you know several volumes of this but it was really good very so that's cool. what I geeked out about. I finally nice. finished my my ship model too, but I'm not so happy about that. <laughs> no, no. But it, it's, I, I did it. I'm happy I did it. I, of course, now I look at it, I'm like, uh, there's gaps and the cement's all goofy. I'm like, I don't care. It's yeah. That ship. How about you? Well, I will say this uh, Christmas was a game Christmas. Mm. We got a bunch of new board games, uh, a bunch of cool things uh, popping out. And that's, you know, you've you've come over for one pre-pandemic in the before times. Yeah, yeah. You, you know, we used to have family game night and we would invite a bunch of people over for for games and, and playing stuff and love games. Tonight, this year, it was just like last year. It was just us sitting around. Uh, played a few games and um, we played... Uh, I don't, know if you, have you, I don't know if you've ever played Coup. No, it's a it's a it's a really quick, easy game, and but they had a they have a sort of a, another game in that same sort of series, and it's called The Resistance. So we played The Resistance. Uh, buddy got me a game called Ingenious, and it's okay. a very strategic game about placing tiles across a board. And my oldest got Cosmic Encounter, which which actually is a forty two year old game. Uh-huh. You're different alien races, and you're battling for you're trying to get colonies on planets and you know you have to attack folks just by what the cards say you have to do anyway we've had a lot of good we've had a lot of good games oh cool yeah it's been uh it's been pretty great definitely enjoying that that's been uh good good stuff we went to a really cool game store out in kansas city i think it was called level one or first level or something like that it was really i mean most of the game stores i've been into are kind of dark basementy type places or not well organized yeah I'm thinking of Legions, especially because it was literally the place was Legion, in, was literally Legion is a terribly dark. Was it really? Was that what it, it was? It was a strip club. Yes. <laughs> it's a it's a it's a big dark hole in the ground. It is a big dark hole in the ground. I've been to Legion. It's oh, but I didn't know. Yeah, I didn't know of its of its past. Next next time you go in there, you'll notice there's like one area that's kind of raised up. Yeah. Well, that's, that makes a lot of sense. 
So we went to this this store and it was it was really cool. They had all kinds of board games. They had a whole section of dice. They had a whole rack, one whole shelf of versions of Settlers of of Catan. It's all kinds of stuff. And the cool thing was that they also had a, a section of used games that they had for sale and they would indicate on them if there were pieces missing or how complete it was or if there were any issues with it which was handy because at least you could, you know, you could look and say, oh, at least I know what I'm getting into. Mm. Taylor could have easily spent his entire cash money allowance in that place. I had to to reel him in a couple of times. It's like, no, you're not buying Gloomhaven. It's no. But dad, but dad, Gloomhaven. I know. It's like, oh, well, someone had a used thing of Gloomhaven and he looked at it. I'm like, don't even look at it. You still can't afford it. Yeah. Good, 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 good. But that was cool. I'm, I'm glad you. I'm, I'm looking forward to post pandemic. We could get, get a, a board game night going. Yes, yes, yeah. Because we still have, to, we have um, Jeremiah, my, my middle. He got uh, Forbidden Island. Have you ever played that one? No. It's a, it's a cooperative game, four players. Okay. And the whole point, the island is sinking, and you got to, you got to hit these particular things to get off the island. Hmm. And if you don't, the island wins and you lose. Everybody oh, I have loses played that. Everybody's... Okay. I, I have played that now. Yeah. It's like tiles and there's different things you have to get. Yep. You... Yep. Yep. Okay. Yep. I have played that. Yeah. Yeah. So there's that. And we got uh, uh, Sheriff of Nottingham, which is a lot of bartering and uh, misdirection happening in that. Oh, my uh, youngest got Ramen Fury, which was a, it's a card game. You got to build bowls of ramen. Okay. So it's been great. You know. And, uh, oh, we got Pandemic, too. I mean, oh, why cool. not? Mm-hmm. Found a great deal on Pandemic, and I was like, okay, fine. <laughs> Feels too soon, but okay. Is it like the Legacy version, or is it the... No, it's not Legacy. No, it's it's the okay. original. So anyway, yeah, a lot, uh, lot of good stuff. So Cool. All right, everybody. Uh, thanks so much for uh, joining us here on this uh, episode of Church of the Geek. Uh, if you have a chance, please connect with us. Uh, send us an email, geekchurch1 at gmail.com. Dot com. That's geekchurch number one at gmail.com. Connect with us on Twitter at geekchurch. Uh, check out our new website uh, that Sam has worked incredibly hard on and it's awesome, geek.church. We'd love to hear from you. Definitely want to uh, connect uh, with folks. Let us know what you thought of The Matrix. Uh, comment on our uh, website. Uh, what did you think? Uh, how'd it go? What did, what did we miss? Uh, how wrong are we? <laughs> if, if the internet is any gauge there are no shortage of opinions about the matrix i think that's correct so (laughs) all right everybody thanks so much again and uh please remember the uh, we're not out we're not out of the woods yet trust in god wash your hands get vaccinated and boosted wear mask and as always geek be with you and also with you